Psalm 112. The psalm begins with praise the Lord. It is uh, in the Hebrew one word, hallelujah. So wherever you see that in the psalms, praise the Lord, it's hallelujah. So hallelujah. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His seed or his children will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light rises in the darkness for the upright. The Lord is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with a man who deals generously and lendeth, who conducts his affairs with discretion. For the righteous will never be moved. He'll be remembered forever. He's not afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established, and he'll not be afraid until he sees his desire on his enemies. He has scattered freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness or his benevolence endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked man comes to naught. Now you can see from even that very surface reading of that psalm that there's some great promises made to us, the people of God. But the key to turning those promises into provision is fulfilling the conditions that are laid down in verse 1. There are two conditions that God lays out in that first verse. He says, if you will meet these two conditions, all these promises can be fulfilled in your life. Notice the two conditions. First of all, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And second, who greatly delights in his commandments. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. I believe that one of the great missing elements in the American church is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And before Jesus comes for his church, be sure of this, there will be a healthy fear of God restored to the church. Now, when I'm talking about the fear of the Lord, I'm not talking about that old cringing kind of fear. Uh, God's the big eye in the sky. The cosmic cop with a big nightstick just looking for an excuse to beat the heck out of you. That, that's, that's, that's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a healthy respect and reverence and awe for who God is and what he can do. It, it is an, an, an awe of his high position and his holy person and his great power. That's the fear of God. And the Bible says that we are to love the Lord and we're to fear the Lord. You say, well, how do you mesh those two? Loving God and fearing God. Well, I think it's easy. I loved my daddy. We had a lot of fun together. We're very close. But I also feared my daddy. I feared him because of the position that he had and because of the power that he had. And anytime I got too sassy, too smarty, or whatever, we didn't have a woodshed, but we had a garage. And he didn't have a razor strap, but he had a wide leather belt. 
and he could take me to that garage and straighten me out. And remember this, anytime you get too smarty, too proud, too uppity, the Lord can take you to the woodshed and he can straighten you out. And so there is to be a healthy respect for who he is and what he can do. So blessed is the man that fears the Lord. It says in Psalm 19, the fear of the Lord is clean. You get the fear of God in your life, it'll cause you to live a clean life. It'll cause you to put away everything that's nasty and dirty and filthy and live clean, pure, and holy before the Lord. The fear of the Lord is clean. If you have the fear of God in your life, you will not touch your neighbor's wife even if the opportunity is there. If you fear God, you will not embezzle from your employer even if you knew you could get away with it and never be caught. If you fear God, you will not sow discard among the brethren because in the sixth chapter of Proverbs, it says there are seven things that God hates. And one of those is he that sows discard among the brethren. If you're a woman who fears God, you will not have an abortion because God, in those six, seven things that God hates are hands that shed innocent blood. If you are an evangelist that fears God, you will not get on the television and say, folks, we are building an orphanage in Ethiopia to feed and clothe and house the starving children of Africa. Send your dollars to help us and then take that money and use it to live in personal luxury. If you are a pastor that fears God, you will not divorce the wife of your youth, marry your young secretary, and move right down the street and start another church. The fear of the Lord is clean. And second, who greatly delights in his commandments. The man that greatly delights in the commandments of the Lord does not just give lip service to the Bible. Many American homes have Bibles in them, but they are rarely opened and rarely obeyed. But the man who, who delights greatly in the commandments of the Lord, he, according to Psalm 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And upon it doth he meditate both day and night. In other words, he is infatuated with the word of God. If you meet those two conditions, if you'll fear God with all your heart, and you'll love his Bible, all these promises now we're going to talk about can become reality in your life. Let's look at them. The first one. His seed or his children shall be mighty on the earth. They'll be a part of a blessed upright generation. Now that word mighty in the Hebrew is his children will be heroes on the earth. What is a hero? A hero is someone who has great influence. A hero is one who has done outstanding things. And the Bible says, if you fear him and love his word, your children will grow up to be mighty. 
They'll be heroes. They'll become leaders in the land. And praise God, be a part of that upright generation that can turn this nation back to God. That's the promise of the Word of God. I think our expectations for our children are too low. I think many parents, many Christian parents, have this thought. If I can just get those kids through those teenage years without turning up pregnant or dope addicts, I've done a pretty good job as, as a parent. You need to junk that kind of thinking. The Bible says, if you fear God and love his word, your children will be mighty. They'll have influence. They'll be leaders in the land. I believe that. Some of you have heard me tell the story about Bethy and I had been married for 13 years. We'd had no, been un, unable to have any children of our own. We had adopted two beautiful children whom we loved exceedingly and felt that they were going to be the totality of our family. And then to our surprise and delight, little Timothy was on the way. The only problem was he came two months early. And I'll never forget standing in that hospital room that night in Austin, Texas, and the doctor came into the room. He turned to me and said, are you Reverend Darnell? I said, I am. And he said, I don't know if you're of the faith that believes in baptizing babies, but if you are, you need to have baby Timothy baptized. He said, his lungs are underdeveloped. He has other physical complication and his chances of living are not good. I remember as I drove home that night alone back to San Marcos, how heavy my heart was all those years we had wanted a baby, and now we, God had blessed us with a baby boy, and the sentence of death has been placed upon him. I went to the home of one of the leaders in the new church that we had started, and uh, I'll never forget the sight that I saw that night when I walked into that living room. There on the floor, at this time, Beth and I were working with a bunch of kids in San Marcos in a coffee house, part of the Jesus movement. And there on the floor of that house, there were young people on their faces, all over the living room, down the hall, back into the back rooms. They're all on their faces, and I can hear them praying, Oh, God, have mercy on baby Timothy. Oh, God, spare the life of Brother Jimmy's little baby. And I took my other two children home, put them to bed, and then I got before the Lord, and he and I began to have a talk. And I said, Lord, since you fill me with the Holy Spirit, I have prayed for miracles in the lives of hundreds and thousands of your children. But now I need a miracle in my own life and family. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me so clearly. And he said, turn to Psalm 112. I was not familiar with this psalm at that time. I am now. And he said, read verse 1. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. The Holy Spirit asked me two questions. He said, son, do you fear me? I said, with all my heart. He said, do you love my Bible? I said, Lord, I love the Word of God. I love to study it. I love to read it. I love to teach it and preach it to your people. He said, okay, read verse 2. I read verse 2. His seed, his children, his son will be mighty on the earth. And all of a sudden, on the earth, jumped off the page right into my heart. And I said, Lord, if he's going to be mighty on the earth, that means he's not going to die. 
And the Holy Ghost said, now you got it. And I latched on to that. I, I, I laid hold of that promise that my son would be mighty on the earth. And then the Holy Spirit began to give me instructions. He said, there's, he, there's going to be a fierce battle fought over his life because he's going to walk under a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit. And when you go to the hospital to see him, if they give you a good report, don't rejoice. If they give you a bad report, don't grieve. I've given you my report. He'll be mighty on the earth. And for 19 days, that battle raged. We'd go to the hospital to see him. And the nurses would say, oh, he's had a hard day today. He's struggling. He's fighting for his life. But he's a scrapper. And we wouldn't grieve. We'd go another day and they'd say, oh, he's rallied today. And he's doing better. And we wouldn't rejoice. Because we were walking according to the report of the word of God that our seed would be mighty on the earth. At the end of 19 days, we brought him home weighing about four pounds. That was 41 years ago. He is now the pastor of our church in San Marcos, walks under a powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit, goes all over the world teaching and preaching and training leaders. He is a mighty, mighty man of God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Your seed will be mighty on the earth. I want to encourage some of you whose children are far away from God, living in the land of sin, never come to church, never seek the Lord. I want to encourage you. Lay hold of this promise right here. If you fear God and you love His Bible, lay hold of this promise. My children will be heroes. They'll yet be mighty on the earth. They'll yet serve the Lord. They'll yet be leaders in our land. Lay hold of it. Say, Brother Jimmy, you don't know my children. They're in a mess. I'm just telling you, believe the Bible. Get hold of it. May it jump off the page at you that your seed will be mighty on the earth. Praise God. The second promise to the man that fears God and loves his word. Wealth and riches, that's in verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house. Or in other words, he will experience an abundant prosperity. Now it makes some people nervous to talk about Christians prospering. Doesn't bother me a bit. Right here in the book, right? Wealth and riches are in his house. And I think I know how they got there. If you love the Word of God, you spend a lot of time in it. If you spend a lot of time in this Bible, you can't help but stumble upon some principles of financial success. And if you'll just take those principles, believe them, and put them into operation in your life, it won't be long until wealth and riches are in your house. Uh, the psalmist right here, he, he discovered some of those principles. They're in the psalm. Look, look in verse 5. It is well with the man who deals generously and lendeth. Ah, he's discovered that principle. God blesses generous people. Not particularly stingy people, but generous people. And then look at verse 9. Look at this one. He has scattered freely. It's all about he's scattered seeds. He has scattered freely. And he has given to the poor. I discovered that one. 
that God blesses those who give alms to the poor. And his righteousness or benevolence endures forever. I tell you, listen to this one. Those of you who are in a financial mess, I can tell you how to get out of it. Begin to bring tithes to the house of the Lord faithfully. Begin to give alms to the poor. And begin to give, bring offerings, particularly missionary offerings. And it won't be long until you'll come out of that realm of poverty into the realm of blessing and abundance and wealth and riches will be in your house. That, and it'll work. It will work. I'll tell you just one story. I could tell a lot of stories here. But I'll just tell you one. Since we mentioned giving alms to the poor, I'll tell you one on that. Think about blessing the poor. Uh, we, we had moved from San Marcos, Texas to Gonzales, Texas to start a new, new church. And while we were there, our family were watching a TV show one night about orphans. And when we got through watching it, our oldest son, Terry, who many of you know, he was the youth pastor here years ago, Terry began to cry. He's a little baby boy. And he said, Mom and Daddy, if y'all hadn't have adopted me, I would have ended up in one of those orphanages. And then kind of like Terry, Terry kind of mowed up, he says, I think our family should do something for orphans. So we said, okay, we, that's good, we will. And so we just held hands and prayed and asked God to lead us to an organization that was really doing the job ministering to and feeding children in the world. And it wasn't long, about two or three days, across my desk came a brochure from World Vision, which at that time I think was doing the best job in the world of feeding, feeding the hungry, feeding hungry children. And so we got their brochure, and we saw that for $14 a month you could adopt a boy or a girl and uh, help feed, house, and clothe them. And so we, Teresa wanted to adopt a girl, and Terry wanted to adopt a boy, so we compromised and got two. And for $28 a month, it was a, it was a real financial sacrifice to us at that time. But $28 every month we would send to World Vision, and they sent us pictures of the children that we had adopted, and we would pray for them at the breakfast table. We sent them gifts on their birthday. We watched them grow from little kids to older, older teenagers. And uh, it, was a real, it was a real blessing in our life as we were being able to help uh, these children who, who needed who needed so badly to be fed and housed and clothed. Well, there were some problems that were happening in the church in San Marcos. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you got to go back to San Marcos and settle in there and straighten things out. So we began to make plans to return to San Marcos. We had a nice house up above the, the, the college campus, but we wanted to live in the country. So we began to pray that when we move back, God would give us a house in the country. And, and we got very specific in our praying. And uh, this is what we ask. Lord, we want a rock house in the country close to town. Now that's, that's praying specifically. And I was in San Marcos every week preaching, teaching in our Bible college. So I, I went by a realtor that I knew and I said, uh, Eleanor, I'm going to be moving back to San Marcos in a few months, and I want to live in the country. Here's what I want. I want a rock house in the country close to town. She said, Jimmy, everybody wants a rock house in the country close to town. 
why don't we all, we'll watch for you. I said, okay. And so every once in a while, I would drop by the, the realtor's office when I was over there teaching, and, and I'd, I'd walk in, she'd see me, she said, nope, don't have any rock houses in the country close to town. And so it came, getting closer and closer, time to move back. And so we just decided, well, we'll just move back in our house up by the college. It's a good house. Just, that's no problem. Thank you, Lord. And then one day, I was, I was praying. I was in Gonzales, and I was praying. Now, Beth is in Louisiana at this time, visiting her grandparents. And I was praying, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me, and he said, get up and go to San Marcos. I have a house for you. And I said, Lord, I don't need a house. I've got a good house up by the college. We're going to move back in there. He said, I have a rock house in the country close to town. Get up and go get it. I didn't know where to go. I just drove to San Marcos. I said, well, we'll start with a realtor. I walked in the realtor's office. She saw me. She said, we don't have any rock houses in the country close to town. Wait a minute. She said, this just came in. Yes. It is a rock house in the country, two and a half miles from town. But she said, but it's, it's three houses. And you have to buy all three as a unit. You probably don't want that. I said, let's go see. So we went out there. I walked through the house. I knew it was the right house. Now, how many of you know this has to be a God thing when your, your wife is not there and you're fixed to buy a house? I knew it was the right house. I looked at the other two smaller Units and, I, and in my head, in a moment, I knew that the rent off of them would pay the whole note, and I could live the rest of my life without a house payment. I said, "I'll take all three. And from that day forward, praise God, we never had a house payment. The rent off the two others paid the whole note. It is now paid off. The houses belong to me and my children. We've given them to the children. They're still making money, and we're going to sell them here pretty soon for a half a million, half a million dollars. Praise God. Amen. And one day I was praying, not long after that, and uh, I was just thanking the Lord. I said, Lord, you didn't have to do that. He said, no, I didn't have to do it. But he said, you were providing food and shelter for some of my little ones. And I thought I'd just bless you with some shelter and a house. Praise God. Does not the Bible say, He who is kind to the poor lendeth to the Lord. He will repay him for his deeds. Now let me challenge you here this morning. Believe the Bible. Believe the Bible. Start sowing tithes, alms, and offerings, and I promise you, it won't be long till poverty goes out the door and wealth and riches <laughs> begin to come to your house. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Okay, the third promise is found there in verse 4. Light rises in the darkness for the upright. Now, God does not promise that we will never have any darkness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the, the valley of deep darkness. But he does promise this. 
that if you fear God and you love his word, that somewhere in the midst of that darkness, light will arise on your situation. Praise God. I never read this verse that I don't remember the time when I was in high school. And uh, I grew up in a squirrel hunting home. We hunted squirrels in the big thicket in southeast Texas. Uh, at that time, the big thicket covered most of three counties. And uh, it, was a, it was the only true wilderness region left in the state of Texas. There were hunters who would go into the big thicket who'd be lost and never come out. It was, it was, a, it was really a very uh, wild region. And uh, we, we, had, we had the best squirrel dogs in the county. I mean, we go anywhere to buy a good squirrel dog. Alabama, Arkansas, where Daddy had the best squirrel dogs. If you never hunted squirrels with a dog, it's awesome. You turn that dog loose and he's out there in the woods and he picks up the scent of a squirrel, trails him, puts him up a tree, begins to bark. You come running to the tree, shake a vine, and the cat squirrel goes running out of there and everybody, everybody starts shooting. Boy, that's a hoot, man. I'm telling you. So, uh, we, uh, one day we, we, it was a Saturday, Saturday morning. We drove up to the big thicket, got there just at daylight, parked the truck on the highway, turned the squirrel dog loose. And it was just one of those beautiful November, cool November mornings. The sun was just coming up. It was a beautiful day. And I mean, the squirrels were down, and, they, and that dog was treeing squirrels all morning, and we were just killing squirrels, putting them in sack. And uh, we just hunted on through the morning, right on through the, through the noon and into the afternoon, and we hunted too deep into the thicket. And I don't know, sometime about toward mid-afternoon, Daddy turned to us and he said, Hey, boys. We are really deep in the thicket. We got to begin to hunt our way out of here. So he took a compass reading. We began to hunt our way out of the thicket, killing squirrels. And I remember the uh, the last squirrel that I shot, I saw fire come out of the end of my barrel. It was really beginning to get dark. And Daddy turned to me and he said, Jimmy, take your belt off, put it on the dog for a leash. And I'm going to take a compass reading. We got to get out of here quick or we're going to spend the night in the thicket. And so I got my belt on that dog and it began to get dark. I mean, dark. Every bush looked like a bear. <laughs> My brother Billy was really scared. They didn't get that one. <laughs> and it looked like we're going to have to camp there in the thicket that night. And all of a sudden we broke into a clearing. And on the other side of the clearing was a deer hunter's camp with a light coming out of the window. I'll tell you, a light never looks so good in all my life. Light rises in the darkness for the upright. We made our way to that deer, deer camp, told them where we'd parked. They said, oh, you're miles from there. And they put us in their Jeep and took us down a logging road, back to the highway and back to our truck, and we got out of there. But I always think of that story when I read this verse. Light rises in the darkness for the upright. And you may be in one of those dark times right now, but I got a great promise for you. If you fear God and you love his Bible, light is about to arise in your situation. The morning star is about to shine his beams of love upon you. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Praise God. Light is about to arise in your situation. Thank the Lord. And then the fourth promise is there in verses 6, 7, and 8 where it says that 
The man that fears God and loves His Word, he will never be moved. Or in other words, his life will be characterized by an unshakable stability. Now that does not characterize a lot of Christians that I know. A lot of Christians that I know would better be described as a roller coaster. I mean, they can be high as a kite on Sunday, low in a snake's belly on Monday. Just roller coaster. But the promise is, you shall not be moved. Not moved by circumstances, not moved by people, not moved by demons, but your feet are firmly planted in the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will not be moved. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And look there, look there in verse, look in verse uh, uh, 7. He's not afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. So when the report gets out that recession and depression's in the land, he's not afraid. Because he knows Jehovah Jireh, the one who is a provider, the one who can spread a table even in the wilderness. Praise God. He's not afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. You know, I used to work in that coffee house with these kids, the Morningstar Coffee House, and most of them had come out of the drug culture. And one night we were studying the Bible together, a bunch of us, and they saw that verse. He is not afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. They said, Brother Jimmy, we used to live for a fix. We don't need a fix anymore. We got one fix. Our heart is fixed on Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And verse 8, his heart is established. He'll not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Wow. That kind of Christian you want to be? Unmovable. Unmovable. Established in the Lord. And then the last promise found there in verse 9. His horn shall be exalted in honor. Now in the Bible, a horn is a symbol of strength or power. And what he's saying here is, is because of the strength of character in this one, because of the strength of character that's been developed in this person that fears God and loves his word, God can honor them. God can exalt his servant among his peers and among others without them getting the big head and having to crash. Did you know that God cannot honor some of his servants? He can't do it. They can't handle it. They can't handle it. But this one has such strength of character that God can honor him or her. I, I love to see how God honors some of his servants. It's so beautiful. Man. You know, think about Billy Graham. All these years of faithful service. Never had a scandal in his ministry. Never been involved in some affair. Never built a university and put his name on it. Just doing what God called him to do. And you know, not too many years ago before he got so old, he, can, he can, can, not canceled, counseled presidents of the United States of America. He drank tea with the Queen of England. I mean, this guy has been honored by the Lord in his generation. And watch this one. This is, I'll, just, I'll just say this is prophetic. His days are short. And when Billy Graham dies, 
his funeral will rival the funeral of a president of the United States of America. His horn is exalted in honor. That's the kind of servant I want to be. I want, I, want, I want God to be able to honor me. I want to finish well, Todd. I want to finish well. So many that we know don't finish well. They started good, but they don't finish well. I want to finish well so that God can honor me in my generation. Well, that's some awesome promises, isn't it? Whoa, man. Say, Brother Jimmy, how do you get that? How do you get that in your life? I tell you, fear God with all your heart and love His Bible. And all those promises can come to pass in your life. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to pray this morning, first of all, for people who have children who are in the land, are away from God. They're living in the land of sin. They never darken the door of the church. So with our heads bowed, if, if that describes some of your children, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Many, 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 many hands all across the auditorium of people who said, our children have gone away from the Lord. They're, they're living in a far, foreign land, in the land of sin. I want to pray for them here this morning. I want to pray for people here this morning. I, I, want, to, I want to pray that that poverty curse be broken off of your life. Listen. Any believer, any believer who fears God, loves his Bible, and puts these financial principles that we've talked about in operation, living in the land of America, any believer should prosper. Every one of us should prosper living here in America. There's no need to be in poverty. I want to pray for that thing to break off of your life and for you to begin to prosper in the Lord. You may be in one of those dark times right now, in one of those dark seasons. Will you believe with me today the light's going to rise in your situation? Hope is coming. New hope is springing. Hope is being birthed in you even now. Light rises in the darkness for the upright. Maybe you're one of those roller coasters. It's time we got our feet firmly planted in Jesus. Firmly planted in Jesus. Fix our heart on Him and get stable. Get established in the Lord. Praise God. Father, I pray for all these this morning who have lifted their hands. Lord, I pray for these children who are living in the land of sin far away from You. God, we pray according this morning on the promise of the Word of God that our children will be mighty. Our children will be heroes. Our children will be leaders on the earth. And so I, I call these in this morning. I call these children in. I say, come in. Come back out of the land of sin. Come out in Jesus' name. Return to your roots. Return to your heritage. Come out in the name of Jesus. Return to your home. Return to your first love. We call them out in Jesus' name. Praise God. Lord, bless those who are in poverty this morning. Help them to see, I can prosper. I don't have to be poor. Even though grandpa was poor and daddy was poor, I don't have to be poor. 
I'm, I'm no longer under the curse of poverty. I'm going to prosper and I'm going to believe the Word of God. I pray for, Lord, those who are in darkness now, walking in darkness. May a great light arise in their situation. Begin to shine your light upon their pathway. Begin, Lord, let hope arise in their hearts. I pray for those who are unstable, mentally and emotionally and spiritually unstable. Oh, God, cause them to fix their hearts on you. Cause them to fix their hearts upon you. May they become established. Praise God. We bless them in the name of Jesus. With our heads still bowed, I'm going to ask our altar workers to come quickly now. Come, come, come to the altar. Those of you who are going to pray, our teams that pray this morning, come quickly. Begin to make your way here to the altar. Just come on up here. As these are coming, those of you who need prayer, maybe for your children, maybe for your finances, maybe just you, you, you're, you're a roller coaster and you don't want to be anymore, I want you to get up right now and begin to come down here to this altar and say, pray for me, agree with me. Just come on, come on. Those of you that need prayer, get up from wherever you are. As these are coming from over here, come on. As these are coming from here, over here, come on, come on. This is your time for prayer. Don't, don't, don't wait. We're not going to hang out here long. We're going to just believe God. As people are coming, you come. Make your way here. From over here to my left, over here to my right. Just make your way. There's good praying people here. There's people that will pray with you. They'll agree with you. Pray according to Psalms 112. Pray on, the, pray on the promises, folks. Pray on the base of the promises. Praise God. Pray on the base of these promises. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Rob, Ken sees right here, Rob. Yeah, it's good. Some of you come on down here. We got people down here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We just pray an anointing in this altar now. We pray the altar be full of the delivering anointing. The power of God be here to break poverty. We pray, Lord, that, that there's a new hope arising. The children are returning home. Children are coming back. Children are coming back to God. We thank you for that now. In the name of Jesus. In the wonderful name of Jesus, praise God. Thank you, Lord.